0: Hey, this is Mike from EpicMarketer.com. I wanted to let you know that the episode you're about to listen to is from our archives and a podcast that I did called the Internet Marketing Podcast back in 2013. You'll notice that we reference the domain Mike'sPodcast.com, which I no longer own, but I still wanted to make sure that you had access to some of the great content and the interviews from this session. So, if you need anything in the future, please visit EpicMarketer.com. Thanks so much and enjoy the podcast. You're listening to the Internet Marketing Podcast with your host, Mike Cowles. Hey, this is Mike from EpicMarketer.com. On today's call, we're going to be talking to the legendary Chris Ducker. Now, Chris is known all around the world as the go-to guy for all the tips, tricks, and secrets for outsourcing effectively. Now, the reason why he's so awesome with this topic is he actually lives in the Philippines. He's got over 300 people working for him, and he owns Virtual Staff Finder, which is basically a matchmaking site that brings you the best highest quality, most experienced VAs for your business, and he guarantees that you'll be happy with the results or you never have to pay for it. Now, if you're driving or on the road or whatever, and you want to get the show notes for all the links that we mentioned on this call, as well as Chris's contact information, just go to epicmarketer.com forward slash Chris Ducker, and that's spelled C-H-R-I-S-D-U-C-K-E-R. All right. How's it going, Chris? Very good. Thanks for having me on, Mike. Awesome. I am excited about this. Uh, so you have a legend around the world for being the guy that just seems to know everything about international business, especially when it comes to outsourcing. Uh, can you, for people that haven't necessarily heard of you, give us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in that industry?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, I've, I've been involved in the sales uh, sales marketing and branding world I guess for uh, 20 plus years. Um, uh, it was around 13 years ago that I came to the Philippines for the mm. first time and uh, you know the outsourcing industry here is pretty hot property uh, and um, yeah it didn't take me any more than a few years to find myself in uh, an outsource call center uh, in Manila which is the capital of the country. Uh, here we are 10 years later. Um, and uh, after a bunch of consultant jobs and uh, you know sort of helping people set up outsource facilities and uh, put in place you know strategies for mostly for medium-sized companies uh, overseas that wanted an outsourcing presence here, um, about six years ago I set up my own firm and uh, now I have three businesses under that kind of that wing, that umbrella. And, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, the whole kind of virtual assistant thing I kind of stumbled over mm-hmm. about four or five years ago, um, and it's it, it's just stuck. And so, you know, I, I, I love it. I love the idea of working with people virtually. Uh, I have over 300 people working for me now. Wow. Um, and, a, you know, a- although the large majority of them are under one roof, under a facility roof, uh, I still have several uh, virtual team members uh, from you know, right from management down to simple admin VAs. So uh, yeah, I love it. I, I truly practice what I preach. I'm not one of those guys that sort of BSs just for the fun of it. I'm 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 all
0: about the VA stuff. That's great. So how much did the uh, the four hour work week help your business out? I mean, I know that was a big part <laughs> of you know Tim Ferris's you know freedom. Right. I think if
1: if Tim was on some sort of commission payment, he'd be doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he'd be doing okay. No, I mean it. Um, I think, I think what it did, I think what the 4-Hour Workweek did is it turned people onto the idea of outsourcing, right? What, what yeah. were we talking like? Late 2007, early 2008, the book came out. Sure. Um, and uh, so it's been, you know, four, four and a half, five years or whatever. And so, yeah, I think it turned the average Joe out there, the average Joe business owner or wannapreneur or entrepreneur, whatever you want to call yourself, um, Onto the idea of outsourcing and getting people to do stuff for you so that you can continue to sort of build your businesses or live, uh, you know, the kind of lifestyle you want to live or whatever the case may be. So it it certainly helped. Um, And it was one of the reasons why we ended up uh, shifting into another direction with my, my, my larger outsourcing company, which is called live to Sell, um, we ended up shifting into another direction and branching out, and, and kind of, you know, uh, popping up with this new brand of Virtual Starfinder, which a lot of people know me for online, uh, which is fundamentally a matchmaking service for people that want to find. Um, experienced VAs here in the Philippines. So Virtual Starfinder was born out of a bucket load of uh, requests and emails and inquiries from people who had, after reading the 4-Hour Workweek, discovered you know the, the joys of working with VAs or the ideas of working with VAs and um, were out there looking for reputable you know, companies that were genuinely going to help you go ahead and do that instead of just sort of trying to find people on job boards. And um, at first, the funny thing is, and I always joke about this, the funny thing is that I just, at first, I was sending people to the job boards. You know, I was like, no, we don't do that. You know, go to Elance or go to Odesk or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And after about a year of doing that, uh, just purely for kicks and giggles, I had one of my assistants put together a list of all the emails that we had replied to with with that kind of reply. And there was over 300 people. So it was an average of almost one a day throughout the course of the year. And that's when the entrepreneurial light bulb went off and the (laughs) alarm went ringing in my head and they said, hold on, Chris, you're a madman here. There's got to be a way to make some money here with this. You know what I mean? And um, so, yeah, that's that's where Virtual Starfinder came out. So, yeah, Tim, if you're listening, thank you. I owe you a beer.
0: Right, right, right. It's kind of like, you know, whatever you're cooking in that kitchen smells great. Can I buy something from you? Oh, no, no, I'll go to a restaurant. <laughs> right, right. Maybe exactly. I could start something here. So, um, you know, to me, when I heard uh, the four-hour work week, it seemed like the most obvious investment. Because people didn't, you know, at least I didn't realize how different the economy was and how um, skilled and talented the people in the Philippines could be because mm-hmm. I think, you know, fifteen years ago, 20 years ago, people thought of outsourcing as people from India on, you know, a phone helpline which you couldn't understand. They were frustrated. You were frustrated. Versus, right. you know, the people in the Philippines, their English is just like you and me, a lot of them, and their their skills can be great. A lot of times they're working for two, three, four dollars an hour and they're happy with the economy that they're at. Um, so it just was, it was a no brainer, whether it's web design or a virtual assistant or whatever it is to say, you know what, I could really leverage my time more, you know, help somebody else take care of their family and be able to work from home and, and really run my business much, much better.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I I don't think that the, uh, you know, I don't think the idea of, you know, the whole kind of sweatshop and in you know, rows of people in call centers, right. whether it be in India or anywhere else for that matter. I don't think that idea has disappeared that you know, like as much as we might think it does or has rather. Because I mean I was literally in the US about a year ago and I, I go to the US at least three times a year, sometimes a lot more if I'm doing a lot of speaking or whatever. But I was there. I was, you know, you get the cool little super shuttle, the little blue vans that sort of pick people up from all the different hotels and then you, they drop everyone off at the airport. It's about five in the morning. I'm sitting in the back of a super shuttle. A couple of ladies pop on and uh, this is literally no more than a year or so ago and we get talking and they're like, oh, oh wow, you live in the Philippines? That's so cool. What do you do over there? <laughs> and I said, well, I own a call center and a couple of other outsourcing companies and they said, outsourcing oh no no you want to keep the jobs in america we're not talking to you anymore and at first i laughed it off i was like ah come on yeah everybody has to make a living with support that was it boom conversation over Mm -hmm. they didn't say another word to me the whole trip and i thought okay well you know everyone's entitled to their opinion and everything but ultimately you know there are you know what is it 99 percent of You know, the economy is fueled by small business owners, right? Mm -hmm. So if there is something that you can do to help your business survive that first one, three, five-year period and continue to grow and service, whether it be people locally or nationally or internationally, if if outsourcing and working with virtual assistants and other types of outsourced staff allows you to do that, and survive those first three to four, five years, which are very, very important for any small business. If you, if you, if you have something at your arsenal, such as outsourcing, uh, that will allow you and help you to do that, then you're a madman not to use it. Um, and, it's, you know, the, the other thing is, you know, all these professional web design companies and things like that out there, that we can design a website for you for $8,000. You are mental if you pay $8,000 for a, a website. You can get someone to do that for $2,500. So, you know, it's all relevant and ultimately everyone has their own opinion on outsourcing and whether it's good for the economy or bad for the economy or whatever. But I think, you know… There comes a time, I think, where every entrepreneur needs to be a little selfish, need to think about themselves, their family, the staff that they do have employed locally, um, and if saving money by working with people virtually, whether it be domestically or, or offshore, uh, you know, if they can do that, then they should go ahead and utilize it.
0: Right, you know, and there's a few ways to look at that too. Which, and I, I appreciate and respect your opinion on it because mm. when it comes to the whole outsourcing and you know keeping the jobs in the U.S., you know, I'm in the U.S. and I, I love our country. I think there's a lot of uh, flaws, but I think it's still probably you know one of the best countries in the world to live in. Um, but you know, when it comes to You know, if you fail as a business, especially as a small business, which most of them do, you end up Mm -hmm. going bankrupt. You end up going on unemployment. You end up costing the country a whole lot of money. Versus if you, you know, do outsource some of your tasks and you end up spending more money on your living, your housing, your cars, your taxes, you know, you are investing back in the country. Right, right. And like I said, it's all relevant. You yeah. know, everyone has their own way
1: of doing things. You're the business owner. You run your business the way you see fit. Um, I'm I guess I'm a little bit more old school. I'm quite outspoken and I don't mind calling a bullshitter a bullshitter, but <laughs> the fact of the, the fact of the matter is I hope it's okay for me to say bullshit on your podcast. <laughs> it's all good. I've done it like three times already, so we're <laughs> we done now. It's all out of my system, I promise. Hey, um, right. but no, it it you know, ultimately it it all comes down to you and and your own opinion and and you know the way you want to build your business. Um, for me, we're in the 21st century. We we live in a very global society. It's never been more connected in the history of of of, of civilization, Western, Eastern, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think if there is somebody. I'm here in the Philippines. I work with US-based VAs as well, by the way. Not all are here in the Philippines. So um, if there is somebody in America that can do the job better than somebody in the Philippines, they're hired. If there's someone in the Philippines that can do the job at the same level, maybe even just a little below the level of somebody in the United States, but I'm paying them a third of what I would do somebody in the US or the UK or Australia for that matter, then obviously it's a smart business move to go ahead and save
0: my money and get the job done. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. Well, you know my my passion. I'm in the uh, internet marketing niche, which you know, and it's funny. I always hear the whole question of what do you tell people? You, what do you do for a living? Because it seems so <laughs> difficult. And uh, I I simplified it. I I have two answers. One is I design and market websites, which I do those. Um, and the other is is I teach people how to market things online. You know, right. and my passion with both of those. Is in helping people, you know, get out of debt. Like the national average is twenty five thousand dollars, and uh, getting them free from jobs that they hate, and uh, and outsourcing is a huge tool to help make that happen. It is, yeah.
1: it is, and I mean, that twenty five thousand dollars is a hell of a lot of money. I mean, yeah. y- you could start several businesses online with that money. So you know, you just got to look at look at it all sort of across the board and figure out what what direction
0: you want to go in. Yeah, so before I forget, uh, I know you mentioned that you go to the U.S. Uh, a few times a year. If you're ever in Chicago, let me know, and I'll buy you a cup of coffee.
1: <laughs> Man, I, I, you know, the funny thing is, I'm a massive blues fan, um, right. and uh, I've never been in Chicago. Wow, um, I know it's it's. It's appalling. <laughs> if I think about it logically, it is appalling because no matter what city I go to, and I have traveled quite extensively across the U.S., but for some reason, the Windy City has has, has stayed away from me for one reason or another. Um, but I, I believe I will be... Definitely there next year. Uh, I have a book coming out in spring next year, and I, I'm putting in place a pretty solid tour to promote the book. So I'm
0: I, I got to do
1: Chicago, man. Come on, the best blues sure. bars in the whole of the country, right? So I've got the
0: best art, promote, the best man. food, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah.
1: And you have a basketball team there as well, which apparently won a few championships back in the '90s. So just a few, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a Celtics fan. I got to be honest. We, we don't want to get into that conversation. <laughs>
0: All right. So uh so you know you mentioned at the early at the beginning of the call that you have over 300 people working for you. And I just got to ask. I'm reading right now um, get things done or getting things done. And what do you use for your tools or what is your favorite tool for keeping tasks straight with that many people? Do you just delegate and have, you know, 50 managers out of those 300 people and they all check in with you or what yeah, you you're, I mean,
1: you're, you're you're pretty close to it. Uh, you know, the, the biggest tool, the biggest strategy is, or well, the biggest resource is your people. Um, mm-hmm. When you've got that kind of, uh, you know, you've got, you've got that kind of employee count. Um, it obviously, it wasn't always that big, um, but uh, yeah, I, I delegate like mad. I'm a shitty manager. I, I've 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 you know I've admitted it over and over and over again on podcasts and live on stage and you know, in interviews and stuff. I am a pretty appalling manager of people. Um, But what I can do is I can systemize and processize very, very well indeed. And I can motivate the crap out of people. I'm a really good motivator of, of, of my staff. I, I paint the picture. I give them their targets. I, I let them see where they're going to be six months, nine months, 12 months, three years for me down the line. Um, I promise them if they do right by me, they'll have a job with me for life, and I mean it every time I say it. Uh, and I delegate like crazy. I have a team of 26 managers. And I know that number off the top of my head so easily because I'm currently planning a weekend getaway for everybody uh, in July. And so, um, yeah, we literally just did the head count yesterday. <laughs> so that's why nice. it's at the top of my head. But, uh, yeah, I delegate like mad, Mike. I, I think that's the secret to um, – you know, to real successful business growth is just, you know, get other people that can nine times out of 10 probably do the job better than you to go ahead and do it anyway, you know.
0: Now, have you read uh, that that book, uh, Getting Things Done? You know, I haven't. I But believe it or not, I've had it on
1: my shelf for about two years. Um, <laughs> I, I've never gotten around to it. I think I, it was given to me as a gift or something. I haven't read it. Uh, I You know, it, it, it pops up in conversation, I guess, probably three or four times every year and I've just never got around to it. Um I guess I probably have to, you know, you, 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 you're you putting it to the forefront. So uh, maybe I'll take it on
0: a trip. I'm flying out of the UK next week. Maybe I'll take it with me and try and kill it on
1: the air, airplane going over there.
0: Yeah, I, I just heard somebody mention it for like the fifth time, you know, on a podcast not too long ago. And they said the big thing is, is do it, defer it, delegate it or drop it. And I was like, that's right. great to have that mindset of, look, I got four buckets to put this in so that I don't have to waste time going, I have to do this, but I don't have time to do it or whatever the situation is. So, no, absolutely. And I, I have a similar sort of type of approach to email as well. I call
1: it my, my, my three-click rule mm. where I, I either reply, I either delete, or I either archive one or the other. Um, so one of those three things happen. I never open an email more than once, ever. Yeah, so that's awful. the easiest way to stay on top of your email is to open your email and take action there and then with it. So it's either a reply or, or a forward of some kind, you know, send it on to somebody, mm-hmm. either archive it or just delete the damn thing. Um, and uh, you know, that's one, one of my kind of little rules for productivity, I guess. And let's face it, we are swamped with email. Regardless of how great our VAs can be in clearing up your inbox before you wake up in the morning, you're still going to get a boatload throughout the course of the day that you've got to jump on.
0: Yeah, and, and a great tool. I don't know if you use Gmail or not, but you can actually mm-hmm. have pre-made replies in there. So oh, whether, yeah. whether it's, that's a great question, but it's too long for me to answer and still be fair to my coaching students. So either right. give me a question and I'm happy to help, or here's the link for my coaching, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean,
1: I, I you know, the, the can. you're talking about the canned responses, yes. I think, right? Yes. It's, yeah, and it's a, it's a great little app there. Um, one of the things I do as well, and this is probably a tip, I, I don't know how... How many of your listeners have got virtual assistants or whether they're thinking about doing it? But this for me as a busy entrepreneur is worth the price of admission on its own. And what I do is I actually have one of my VAs before I wake up and get to work in the morning. And I I literally don't touch – email or or anything to do with any kind of communication all until around 10 o'clock in the morning. I get up and I have breakfast and play with my kids and and just do all that fun stuff and then get to work later on. By the time I've started at 10, my VA has gone into my Gmail account and she has cleared around 60% of my email That has come in overnight and I have a a ton of business come in overnight because of the time difference between the UK and the US, right? So a a lot of my clients are overseas Um, and yeah, she literally clears us about 60, maybe sometimes even 70% of my inbox before I've even switched on my computer in the morning by going through and obviously deleting all the crap, uh, spam blocking a lot of stuff as well, Uh, but then she has, I think our count at the moment is up to around about 50 something odd canned responses, I guess, if we're going to stick with that term. But these are in-depth replies to questions that I receive every single day of the week without fail. Um, Some of them are longer than others. Some of them are just one paragraph. Some of them are just two or three sentences. But there are others which are sometimes two or three paragraphs and quite in-depth with links and resources and things like that. And I've spent the time over the last few years putting those together into a QA uh, rather an FAQ-type document. Right. Um, and she now goes in and, you know, I, I reckon probably 20 or 30% of the questions are the same every single day. So she has them sort of at the top of the document. But she literally copies and pastes, sends them out back from my email address, all personalized. You know, the people who have emailed me believe that I've emailed them back, that um, you've got that personal touch, you've got that in-depth reply, but I haven't spent hours and hours and hours replying every single day like that. And that that right there, she's worth, she's worth her $550 a month that I pay her. She's worth that for that one role, that one task alone. And she does a whole lot of other stuff for me as well. So uh, if you're flooded with email, there's a quick
0: idea for you. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. That is a gold nugget. So I want to uh, ask you about something you mentioned a few minutes ago, which is that you said, you know, you're, you're not so great as being a, a manager, but you're great at motivating your staff and uh, delegating. What are some of the things that you like to do in order to really motivate your staff and have them feel happy to work for you and, and build up that loyalty?
1: well it's it's milestones for me i'm a big you know i'm from a sales background, so i've worked to targets and you know milestones and and you know that sort of type of thing my entire career so I you know we put in place you know monthly targets and, and quarterly milestones that we want to hit and things like that sometimes you know year long targets and things like that as well but ultimately it it, it actually comes down to empowering Staff that I have to make decisions on their own, um, and giving them the opportunity to truly own what they do for me and my companies, Uh, and and by doing that, they actually become way better than as an employee, a way better investment for me um, on a month-to-month basis because they truly do take that on board, they own it, um, and man, they just get to work every single day, and it's that empowerment, I think, and. You know, that approach of allowing them to go ahead and and, and really follow through in in their own ways um, rather than just coming to me all the time. And this is very, very rare for Filipino staff because here in the Philippines, they are born and raised very much so with an employee mindset rather than an entrepreneurial one. So I try and get the, the balance between the two where, yes, they're going to be great employees – um, but I want them to th- you know, I hate management speak but I want them to think outside of the box I want them, before they come to me with a potential problem or issue they know that they can't come to me with a problem or issue they know they come to me with that, they also have to cu- come to me with at least one idea for a solution to that problem or issue uh. Uh, and, and I actually have a, uh, have a button that somebody gave to me, like a little electronic button, like a, a joke toy thing, it's a bullsh- button <laughs> and it sits on my desk. And I'm not joking. I'll send you a photo of it. If you don't believe me, it sits on my desk. And if someone comes into my office with, a, with an issue or a problem without coming to me with a potential solution for it i hit the button and it is loud and people can hear it and it's kind of like you know ding dong ding dong bullshit alert bullshit you know the whole the whole thing so it's these are the little things that i do and really it's the empowerment like that that truly they truly take it on board and they own it um and a perfect example and very timely example is my senior project manager stephanie with Virtual Starfinder. She's been with me for about four years now. Uh, she, I was her first ever employee. employer. Um, she's, uh, I think, 27 years old now. And she fundamentally runs Virtual Starfinder on a day to day basis for me. Last night, I took her and the rest of the Virtual Starfinder team, which is about 10 people now, out for dinner at a very swanky restaurant here in town to celebrate the milestone of. Helping 1,000 Filipino VAs get work through our service, wow. uh, and we achieved that a couple of weeks ago. And um, she 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 was actually the person who helped me set up Virtual Starfinder and get going with it a few years ago. And when we were done with dinner, uh, I guess she was on her way home in the back of a cab or something. And I woke up this morning. I looked at Facebook, and she had written on her Facebook wall something along the lines of. Um, Had a wonderful dinner. Uh, Very blessed to work with the people that I work with. And, you know, this is my legacy. Mm. Helping Filipinos find great work with great people is my legacy. I'm so proud of what I do for a living. Mm. That right there, I swear to you, I teared up reading that. Because I could truly see that she meant that and it was coming from the heart. So it's that empowerment, man. That's... uh, you just got to let people do the work themselves don't micromanage them you know you you got to really allow them to own what they do for you i believe that's uh, the big thing
0: so i i think that's beautiful and i and i love that so i'm i'm picturing if uh, let's let's take it down to the ground level if i'm a filipino in their office and i'm interviewing for a job What are some of the things that you would say as far as helping me really own that this isn't, I'm working for you, but I'm working with you? This is our business now. Well, I think it it also comes down to obviously the
1: type of work they're doing for you. Sure. Right? I mean, uh, you know, if they're a very entry level employee, to be frank with you, I'll never work with them, Mm. it won't happen. Uh, there's too many people in place and there's too many layers between me as the owner of the company and that lower entry, kind of entry level type staff member. So I wouldn't I would not interview them. <laughs> I would sure. not train them. I wouldn't have anything to do with managing them. In fact, I probably only know the names of about 30% of the people that actually work for me right. and I
0: am not joking. So, um, but, but for I mean, the, the VA... For yeah, the VA when you, when, that I'm going to hire, the solopreneur is going to hire. You know, If you could you know, whisper in their ear what to say, You know, what would you be telling them when they hire that, that general VA or their webmaster in order to inspire that?
1: I'd be telling them three things. First off, I'd be saying, I don't want you to look at me as your boss. Mm-hmm. I want you to look at me as a partner, which means you need to come to the table with just as many ideas as I do to make that partnership fair. So that, that empowers them straight out the gate to hopefully come up with ideas and, like I said, solutions to issues and things like that as well. That's the first thing. The second thing I would do is I would intently focus for a good 10 minutes or so in that maybe 30-minute interview on their personal life. I would want them to tell me about their family, I'd want them to tell me about what they do on the weekend, their aspirations personally, uh, as maybe as a provider if they're a mother or a father, uh, because I believe that that personal connection with employees, it was really fashionable years and years ago, and then it became very unfashionable and untouchable for quite mm. some time. Um, and I believe that we're going back to that P2P Philosophy, or that people-to-people philosophy, um, and I'm a big, I'm a big fan of, of the people that I work very, very, very closely with. Um, I want to know about their family and what they do and how many kids they've got, how many brothers they've got, and all sisters and all that sort of stuff. So that's the second thing I would, I would really make sure that I would focus in on what they do from a personal standpoint as well. Um, and the third one, and and this is kind of a given, but a lot of people tiptoe about this. Um, and I'd, I'd ask them outright, what do you want to get paid? Mm-hmm. What do you want to get paid? What do you feel you're worth as an employee, as a, as a potential employee slash partner? What do you feel you're worth? Because my two rules to paying virtual staff are very, very simple. Number one, pay them what they're worth. This whole... BS attitude online, uh, particularly in the IM space of you can find a Filipino to work for you know, $2 an hour is complete crap. It doesn't work. In fact, I even know of one marketer right now who will remain nameless who is currently doing webinars telling people that he works with virtual assistants in the Philippines at cents per hour. And I don't know who those people are, but if you pay anybody, no matter where they are in the world, $1.58 an hour, they ain't going to bring a whole lot of experience and benefit to your business as far as I'm concerned. So I would pay people what they're worth and most importantly, I would pay them on time. That's one of the easiest ways to lose a Filipino employee for sure, is to pay them late. Even the first time you do it, it gets them thinking twice about longevity with you, believe it yeah. or not, because they truly live paycheck to paycheck over here. There's not a lot of saving going on. Um, they're usually the breadwinner. They're looking after a brother or sister through high school or college. They're paying for grandma and granddad's medicine, you know, all that sort of stuff. So money is very, very, very important. And if you mess around with a with a Filipino VA salary uh, and payday, uh, that's the
0: surefire quickest way to lose them. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. You know, one of the first things I do whenever I hire somebody is I have them upgrade their PayPal account to a business account so that they can accept money and I have them set up a subscription so I never have to think about it and they know they can get it every two weeks. Yeah, love that. Another little tip is here in
1: the Philippines, um, it's kind of just standard protocol to get paid on the 15th and the 30th of every month. But if you're paying via PayPal, don't forget, they go, they they then have to withdraw that money into their bank account, uh, and that can sometimes take two or three days for that to happen. So, what I do with my VAs and what I suggest most other people do if they're paying via PayPal as well is to pay them say instead of the fifteenth and the thirtieth, pay them you know on the you know the twelfth and the twenty seventh or something like that, because that way the money truly really is in their bank account and it can be used on
0: those dates. Yeah, great tip. Great tip. So what are some of the tools that you can't live without? (sighs) Great question. (laughs) How long have you got? (laughs) Um,
1: I I think, I mean, you know, there's a handful that I use, you know, every day. I mean, first and foremost, my iPhone 5 has just really just revolutionized the way uh, that I do business. And the funny thing is, is that... um, About three years ago, I'd been mobile with with email on on a BlackBerry for, I don't know, I guess probably at that point, three or four years. And I was at a friend's uh, uh, housewarming party. had a swimming pool here in the Philippines. And uh, all night long, this damn BlackBerry was going off in my pocket. Uh, And after, I don't know, probably half a bottle of wine and maybe a double scotch or something, (laughs) I decided that... I was going to announce to the entire party uh, that if uh, I got another email come through in the next sixty seconds, that I was going to throw the thing in the pool, and I would lose mobile email instantly at that point. And literally, as I ended the sentence, another email came through. Everybody saw it, uh, and so I had to, you know, I had to deliver <laughs> on my promise. And I threw, I threw the thing frisbee style into the swimming pool. You know. Um, and I actually went without mobile email for about a year or so, uh, and it was it was a bit challenging. I got to be frank, you know, you get used to being able to answer and reply real quick, and people get used to hearing back from you quickly as well. Um, and I think we live in that world now where things happen a lot faster, a lot more instantly, obviously. And so I did eventually go back to mobile email. I ended up doing it with an iPhone four, and then when I got the iPhone five, man, that thing! Holy cow! How many how many different tools? has that replaced for me? Like, I no longer travel with a DSLR. I no longer travel with a video camera. I no longer travel with a voice recorder. Um, yeah. I no longer travel with a, I mean, it, it has replaced like four or five different devices. So the iPhone 5, without a doubt, right there. And when you're talking about, you know, what's on the iPhone, um, you know, obviously Gmail, you know, that that's, I guess that's one tool that I, I can't live without at all. Um, my calendar because my schedule is usually pretty crazy. Yep. Um, I use Dropbox, in, you know, just insistently every single day without fail uh, for a number of different things. It's a number one way for me to be able to work with my VAs and share files and you know all that stuff. I don't use Google Drive. Um, I've tried it. I didn't like it. Hmm. Uh, it, didn't, it just didn't work for me. Um, and I just prefer I guess maybe I'm a little bit more old-fashioned. I just prefer to do things you know with with word and dumping them in a Dropbox and you know everybody knows their place and they know what they're doing. I did use a project management system for a while um, but uh, we simplified our processes quite a bit internally and we ended up not doing that. So I, I guess you know I you know I'm a big fan of Twitter I'm a big tweeter. I think you and I connected initially mm-hmm. on on yep. on Twitter um, so my Twitter app on my iPhone i I, I guess I probably reply to around about ninety five percent of my tweets uh, online and I, I I get a lot of tweets every day um, and you know other than other than those really day to day that's pretty much where I am um, I'm a pretty simple guy. I like to try and keep things pretty minimal if I can. Mm-hmm. I bet you've got way better answers from your other guests, am I right?
0: <laughs> no, no, you know what I love about it is it's very <laughs> real, it's hands-on, you know? I mean, iPhone, Dropbox, Twitter, those are your big 3. And yeah. uh you know, you could totally 100% run a business with just those three. You could probably yeah. just I mean, run a business with the iPhone if you if you had to because it does those two on there as well, you know? Of course. And I mean, you uh, let, let's not discount Skype as well. I mean,
1: Skype of is course. uh it's right up there as well, regardless of how it can kind of you know drop out on you from time to time, and it has become a little bit of a victim of its own success. But um, you know, I remember i I, I mean, I don't know how many years now, but it's got to be close to about nine years I've been using Skype. It's been a long time. So I was, you know, when I first signed on, there was like, you know, there are, you know, there are seventy thousand people using Skype right now, and I'm like, wow, that's seventy thousand people using Skype, it's insane. <laughs> and now it's like fifteen million or something at right. any one time. So it's, it's pretty crazy. In fact, I'm looking at it right now. Holy cow, I was so far off the mark. 54.2 million people are using Skype yep. right now. So that's pretty insane.
0: So you mentioned with Dropbox, uh, putting in like a Word doc, things like that. Um, can you give us any uh, any either secrets or advice or tips as far as the big, big thing with outsourcing, which is standard operating procedures?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the big thing here is I, I believe every entrepreneur, regardless of what industry they're in, should have a general VA or a GVA, and that GVA is someone that can handle, you know, everything from your, you know, filtering your email, your calendar, your travel itinerary, your online research, your transcription, your social media. Uh, you know, you're that general kind of go-to person. Uh, they can, you know, literally do all of your adminy kind of online marketing sort of type stuff, uh, and and that's the one person I feel that you. You really, truly do need in, in this day and you know, this day and age, um, regardless of how much or how little business you're doing, they can just relieve so much of your time for you, so you can truly concentrate on working on your business instead of being trapped working in it Um, and i think so many people are still in that position right now i get emails all the time from people saying i'm working 15 hour days i don't know what to do i need you know this this can't carry on what do i do what's the first step so i mean you know when you talk about standing operating procedures i this is very very this is a very personal thing because it Definitely, there's so many different variables and parameters in place from one setup to another. But ultimately, um, the best way to do it is actually to start from scratch with what I call my three lists to freedom exercise, and that involves getting a piece of paper, writing two lines down on it, creating three columns. And what you're going to do on those three columns is you're going to create three different lists. The first one is a list of all the things that you just hate doing, like just the thought of them just drives you crazy. Right. The second list is a list of all the things that you can't do. Now as entrepreneurs we're a little bit messed up in our heads. We believe we are like, you know, superheroes, right? There's no kryptonite out there that could hurt us, you know. We're better than everyone else in the entire universe. Obviously that's not true. It's not the case. We don't live in a perfect world. So because of that, there are going to be a bunch of things that you can't do. Uh, or or someone out there can do them better than you. So that's your second list. And the third list, and this is by far the most important because it actually gets you truly thinking about what your position is within your own company, and that is a list of all the things that you feel as the big cheese, as the boss, as the owner, you should not be doing on Mm -hmm. a day-to-day basis. And what you have right there is three virtual brain dumps, and that's literally what it will look like when you do it first up. And then once you start sort of taking things out and putting things in in a different column here and a different column there and you really sort of clean things up, it becomes a blueprint or a roadmap is a term I like to use quite a bit because once you get on that road and, and you've got a map and you know where you're going, it's a lot easier to get where you're going to. Um, and I think that out of that particular exercise, particularly with working with virtual assistants, will come that SOP or, or that operations manual. And this can be as very simple. I mean, this can this can be as simple as just a word document mm-hmm. with the way that you like things put together the way you know the fonts you like use the size of the font the color schemes you want on your spreadsheets all these other types of little things and you know we're all we're a very strange breed man what i like i'm sure you don't like and <laughs> vice versa and all the rest of it so you know it 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 really is a very personal thing and i, I don't think there's any really clear um system that you can use and whenever i see that you know, in a book or in a video online or something, follow this system and it's all you need and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, you can probably glean some ideas out of that stuff, but I don't think that there's any one system out there that all of us could follow and expect success from. Um, I think there's just too many variables that that can get in the way and will get in the way. Uh, And that's why it's a personal thing. You've got to figure
0: it out yourself. Yeah, I agree. Well said. Well said. My uh, my one of my um VAs actually just told me about Trello yesterday, which uh, I f- uh, started playing with and fell in love with because you can do the whole right. checklist and it's it's uh it updates you know in real time and all that stuff. But yeah, yeah, even if it's just Notepad, even if it's using Jing and making you know short little one minute, two minute videos showing how to do things the big thing is is to have some type of system in place so that as your business grows or if somebody leaves or whatever instead of having to redo everything you can say great watch this or read this
1: yeah and videos you know you bring up jing there videos i mean i feel as a virtual boss as well as a physical boss as a virtual boss you know screen captures and and video training is by far the way to go it's without a doubt the way to go because you are creating that encyclopedia of training in your words, in your style, with mm-hmm. your way of doing things, um, and yes, if someone does disappear on you, or you have to let them go, or it doesn't work out, or whatever, um, you've got that there on your hard drive or in your Dropbox folder, and you know you can bring someone else on board and say, "Hey, watch those today. You know, learn how to do this, this, and this." Um, and so, video is great, also. Um, you know, I've worked with thousands, thousands of virtual assistants <laughs> in the last, you know, ten years, and I can honestly say to you. They prefer video over anything else. They hate audio uh, in terms of audio, you know, um, um, instructions and tasks and things like that. It's their their least favorite way of getting work is via audio only. Um, second to that is written. You know, they they like getting written instructions, but they prefer things to be bullet pointed and very 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 concise. But video by far is the favorite, and the reason why is because they can go back and they can watch that two or three times. A lot easier to watch a three or four minute video two or three times than it is to read through a six hundred word email two or three times, um, and a lot faster as well. And not only, you know, can you go back to it over and over again, but because it's visual,
0: it's just so much easier to pick things up. Mm. That's a gold nugget. That's a gold nugget. I did not know about the whole uh, hating audio, but I guess it makes sense if it's if it's not your uh, your native language to hear audio. You know, it may be much more comfortable to be even though yeah. a lot of the people that you're talking to, it sounds like it's their native language, but yeah, video makes more sense because they're showing you how to do it. Yeah, exactly.
1: And I think audio is is good for listening, but you know, it you know, are you listening or are you hearing? You know, there's a big <laughs> difference between the two, right? right? I'm a big podcast listener. I I you know, I I listen to at least a couple of podcasts a day. And um for me that's all I do. I just listen. Sometimes I might make a few notes, but nine times out of ten, I just like to listen. I just – I like to eavesdrop. I like to listen to what people have got to say. Um, but if it's a video, particularly if it's an instructional type video or, or a screencast of some kind, that's a different ballgame. I'm ready to learn. I'm sitting down there and I'm, I'm plugged in and you've got my attention, you know. Awesome.
0: Well, Chris, thanks so much for, for taking the time to come and share with my listeners uh, all of your experience and all these great tips and strategies and resources. Uh, I just have one quick question for you uh, before we wrap things up. If uh, If somehow everything disappeared and you had to start over, would you do the same thing or would you change it up a little bit? Oh that's a good question isn't it I mean most people say what what would you do differently but that's that's
1: a different question yeah. would you do the same thing or would you change things up i i uh, I would definitely be involved in the same business the same industry mm-hmm. uh, I, I love the whole virtual assistant slash outsourcing slash productivity entrepreneurial sort of stuff. It, it really, uh, it gets my juices flowing above and beyond anything else that I've ever done. Um, the one thing I would certainly change and, and, and the thing I would have done differently is I would have got a lot more active a lot more sooner online than I actually did. Um, I've only been active online for about three and a half years. Uh, and looking back, it was probably a mistake to wait that long. Uh, I think that I would be in a completely different position that I am now in. And I'm in pretty good position. I'm not complaining. But um, another two or three years under my belt online already by now, uh, who knows what would have happened. I, I think that that would be probably the one thing I would have changed
0: or flipped the switch on a little bit. Awesome, great advice. So, uh, I really appreciate you being out here. Uh, we'll look forward to your book coming out in the uh, springtime. What's the uh, What's the title going to be on that?
1: It's virtual freedom. It's all about building a virtual team, not just working with VAs, but building a genuine team so that you can ultimately get the freedom from the madness that is being an entrepreneur and uh, kind of focus on other things. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what people think about it. I've just literally wrapped the first draft of the manuscript up. It's sitting with my publisher right now. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed they'll
0: enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. I'm sure it'll be great. Well, thanks again, Chris. Have a, a great rest of the day. All right. Thanks, Mike. All right. Take care now. Thanks for listening to the Internet Marketing Podcast. Please tell a friend to check out epicmarketer.com.